Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to What a Load of Cobblers, Cobblers Catch-Up, a handy summary of the week's news from Sixfields. Can't be asked to keep up with the comings and goings at the Cobblers or just like a Northampton Town Natter, don't worry, we've got you covered. I'm Tom Reed, and I'm joined again this week by Wallet regulars Martin Maloney, James Avril and Max Miller. How are you doing, guys? You OK? Yeah, very good. Very good. Martin, how was the uh, how did the cricket tour go overall? What were you? Uh, what were your what's your batting average? <laughs> <laughs> batting average was zero. <laughs> zero, Martin. I had, uh, yes. The tour was fantastic. My own personal level of performance, uh, certainly with the bat, somewhat uh, less so. So, um, we had, I think game, game one at Chatsworth came in at five, at, uh, I think 22 for three, uh, two balls and gloved the second one to point. Uh, we're 22 for four, but then I think we've got about 100 for the next wicket. So we made a bit of a game of it. Um, and then game two at Darley Dale. Um, didn't even have my pads on till the last over. I was last man. Um, and then suddenly I think a young, uh, one of their young players, they basically, what I did, they put a load of runs on with their adults. And then that was like, that let the kids bowl. Um, and a few Derbyshire kind of youngsters there. Um, I came out with a, a young leg spinner on a fifer. I said to him, right lads, I ain't going to block him. You know, he's, uh, and I went to hoying it out of the park um, and it sort of just trickled, but he didn't get his five. So I felt like I, I sportingly denied him his day. <laughs> we did discover, you know, some fantastic pubs that we one in particular called Chandler's in Chesterfield. Everyone's ever passing. It was brilliant. Um, and just a great, yeah, great to get away, play sport, hang around some mates and inevitably argue, uh, argue some politics as well. And watch Chesterfield on the Friday night. Yeah. It's Barnet. Well, Chesterfield, I mean, we, we've been there with the Cobblers before, I think under Boothroyd, and it's, it's a decent decent ground. But over 7,000 there. Mm. Atmosphere absolutely belting. And Chesterfield really do look a crack inside that. Midfielder ran the show. Uh, Dobra, I think he was called. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, Shimonga, who loads of us were talking about last year, was only on the bench, um, yep. but I think it's because he'd been injured talking to a couple of their fans afterwards. I think he's been uh, transferred at the moment, Martin. I think he's uh, getting a transfer as we speak. Is thing. he? I was going to yeah. say, yeah, he'd come back from injury. Pretty much his first action in the game was Dobra um, turning guy brilliantly in his own half and then sent him clean for a one-on-one and he took it sumptuously. But it was it was really, really good. So one of the lads is an Arsenal season ticket holder. He's, as well as being a Tory, he's a bit snobbish about um, his view of lower league football. It wasn't all that. 
he yeah. was absolutely wow. He's like, whoa, I did not expect it to be this good. <laughs> but yeah, it was a yeah, cracking tour. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm playing down at Redbourne on Sat on Sunday for him for the last game of the season. I don't expect to be batting any higher than nine. <laughs> but you made up for it in the bar, Martin, and at the German restaurant. So that's amazing. Absolutely. You made up for it in Schnitzel. So you did pretty good. <laughs> indeed, indeed. We're going to have to talk about the Doncaster game. Um, were you at that one, Martin? No, no, I was bat. I was batting for a very short period at Chatsworth. So okay, we leave we'll go, to, we'll go to James on the on the um, one nil defeat uh, to Doncaster at home. James, it just felt to me it was quite a strangely lethargic um, performance for for Cobblers. Just something just didn't click, did it, James? Yeah, I think lethargic is a good word. I think it's the word Gary McSheffrey used as well, wasn't it? It was interesting mm. to see his comments. Actually, thought. It was probably going to be the toughest game of the season for them and turn out to be one of the most comfortable. Yeah, we just didn't get going. I don't know why. Nothing clicked. Um, I thought, similar to the second half at Crew, it was a lot of kind of aimless hoofball. There didn't appear to be kind of a, a kind of thought process behind the direct balls. You know, it wasn't as if we were targeting it, targeting it to one player. They were winning the flick on, etc. And the others were running in behind. Yeah, it just felt... It felt like it felt a bit rudderless. It didn't feel like we had a game plan really, and um, it was very comfortable for Doncaster. I mean, you know, for second game in a row, time wasting spoiled it as a spectacle. Um, the sooner we bring in a stop clock, the better. But you know, that's a whole different debate. But yeah, we didn't deserve anything out of the game at all. It just felt. I think you're right with the long balls. It just felt that their defence could mop them up all day. I just remember thinking at one point, like, why are you continuing to try these when the defenders are? dealing with them quite well. And I was told beforehand that they had a couple of injuries and they were a little bit shaky at the back or a little bit makeshift. So I wanted to see a bit more like penetrative play and a bit more um, guile to try and undo them uh, maybe on the floor or try and f- a few balls in behind. But th- those balls, those long balls were just meat and drink for the Doncaster defence. Um, I noticed on Twitter you, you made a point, didn't you, about the time wasting. We can mention that a little bit. It's just something that um, got your goat and it's happened a couple of times, hasn't it? That maybe it's a bigger... Uh, debate in football that the ball is just not in play enough for, for the paying punter, is it? Yeah, uh, I, you know, I think I saw the the article last year on the BBC kind of saying they were looking at potentially bringing in the stop clock. And it's one of those, you know, I don't like to change, you know, football for the sake of change. You know, there's a reason we all love it. But in recent years, the time wasting has started to impact my enjoyment on games, to be honest. And certainly the second half at Crew and the second half against Doncaster were just dreadful in terms of them time-wasting. And, you know, let's not kid ourselves. We would do exactly the same if 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 we're uh, if we were in the lead. Every team does it. So it's not, a, you know, it's not singling out Crew or singling out Doncaster. Every team does it. And they need to crack down on it. I know that's clearly been mentioned at the start of this season as being something that they were ordering the referees to clamp down on in fairness at crew he added the time on um against Doncaster. frankly it could have been 10 minutes and that would have been about right so yeah. he only added five on was it there was five minutes alone between him awarding the penalty kick and them actually taking it it felt like so that didn't then take into consideration all the other kind of you know stuff that they were trying you know players going down after every tackle as if they'd been injured. Jonathan Mitchell taking ages on the goal kicks and that. And yeah, it's like I say, every team does it. We would do it if we were up. They need to come up with a way 
to get around it. And I think the stop clock is a good idea, personally. You know, mm. get that, get the ball in play for, I think I was reading the, the average is about 55 minutes, isn't it, that it's in play. Yeah. Um, and they're talking about maybe doing a 60-minute stop clock. I think it's a great idea. Give it a go. You know, see if it works. If it, if it, if it ruins the game or, or we don't... We don't enjoy it. We can go back to how how things were, but I think teams are starting to take the biscuit a bit on on time wasting, and it, it is impacting on on the spectacle. Yeah, sometimes there's not a lot of spectacle. I think sometimes I'm I'm glad when the ball goes flying out of the stadium. I can just get a bit of re. <laughs> but I know what you mean. You, you're you're definitely right in terms of the uh, yeah that sort of those dark hearts and the ball being out of play a lot. Martin, you're a an American sports fan and often when people talk about stuff like stop clocks and you know breaks here and there they're, they're worried that football will go a bit more American sports and then when you have a stop in play then the advertising will come in there'll be an advert are you a fan of a stop clock Martin or do you, would you just leave it as it is you know you're the you're the archetypal traditionalist with with sports and I I'm kind of often the one of no no it's, let's do it differently uh, I was I probably changed my view today listening to Barry Glendenning on the Guardian Football um, Weekly, and there is a thing with both rugby, which uses stop clock, both both forms of rugby, um, Union and the the good one, and uh, <laughs> American football, that games just get run out. So you know, in rugby, it's like right, the Hooters gone, barring you know, something amazing like well if anyone goes on YouTube and looks up wide to west, they'll see that very occasionally the ball can, all it needs to do is go out or someone be tackled and the game is over and a team, a team win it from their own um, try line. Mm. But every other time it is just like, well, someone gets the ball and kicks it and boots it out. American football, you know, a team will, you know, have, they'll just kind of drop the knee on four downs, you know, not dropping a knee for progressive reasons like we've, you know, most of us <laughs> would like to see, but um, just to what, just to waste time. So, I think there is something in the magic of football about it's a minimum of six minutes injury time, and no, one lot, one of, you know, one side we boo, another they cheer, and you just don't know. I'm kind of like if you had a kind of a, a, a clock ticking down and then it was it was time once it blew i think you'd encourage an awful lot of defensive play and hold and holding on to the ball yeah i think what we've got is very imperfect on i have no faith that the alternative will be better yeah, that's that's a good sort of counter argument, and you are right. There will there's always a payoff. You, there's no perfect solution, so and people always find some sort of loophole for whatever rule change you make. But I guess James is right that I don't think it hurts to try it for you know for you know a season or half a season or whatever and see what happens. But yeah, we don't want James sitting there, uh, you know, getting bored of watching cobblers. Oh, but, yeah, uh, I mean we don't, we don't want to be like when we were playing football manager or oh, not football manager, sensible soccer at our Amiga when you knew all you had to do once the time had gone was kick it over the halfway line and the full time was <laughs> although course, it often does seem like that in real life. <laughs> of course there's a happy medium where they could actually add on the time that they waste or actually start booking people for doing it earlier on. Yeah. You know, he waited until the 92nd the minute. The waited until the 92nd minute to book the player, by yeah. which point they have already achieved the purpose of doing it. Yeah. Start booking them like ASAP. And 
if a, if a player does it twice, send them off, you know, or go yeah. over to the manager and say, listen, anytime I see it, I'm going to be booking your players from now on. So there yeah. is a happy medium before we get to that stop clock bit. But, you know, we, we, yeah, just the last two games, it, it just really annoyed me. It just really annoyed me. You know, it is I part of the is, game, but it shouldn't be. You know, we, we come to watch football, not watch players crouched on the ground pretending that their ankles hurt. I guess the sort of follow one point from that is that although there were, you know, a few minutes wasted here and there, that Doncaster for me were the better team overall, better footballing team. And Lee Tomlin really won the goal for um, Doncaster. Uh, he turned Sean McWilliams inside out. Uh, Max, was your, what was your take on the penalty? It seemed a bit of a coming together in, in the box and probably a soft penalty, but it just seemed like Tomlin just did him bit more bit more cute to play from Tom than Max yeah I mean from where I was because I was sat in the West End uh, for this game uh, I would have to say it did look like a penalty to me just from where it looked like from the angle I was watching it um, mm-hmm. I've watched it back and it does look a little bit soft but then it just goes back to the point I made a couple of weeks ago when McGlaw gave away the penalty against Hartlepool it's the minute you make any sort of contact against the attacking um, player in the box, and it could just, even if it's just perhaps a minimal bit of contact, they're going to go down and try and con the referee and give him, into giving a, a penalty. And I kind of think that's what kind of happened here. I mean, I, from where I was at the time, I thought it was a penalty, and I watched it back, I thought it's probably not. But again, that, that kind of, again, once again, send up a bit of an inconsistent refereeing. He was a I didn't think he was one of the worst refs we've had this season, but again, he just seemed to give some fouls for us, which weren't particularly fouls. And then there were some fouls he gave against us, which, you know, um, weren't fouls again. So it's like, again, you could argue that the refereeing wasn't particularly brilliant, but then again, it's Coppers were, I have to say that's been probably the worst performance I've watched from them uh, this season. Um, It didn't really do enough on the ball, but you perhaps thought, early on within the first five minutes that they would at least look like testing Mitchell because Mitchell made a howler within a couple of minutes and you thought oh here we go like this is the method you know this is the Mitchell we know Um, and then we didn't test him I I think we had a free kick in the first half and that was pretty much it that tested him and there was you know Hilton missed the header but other than that it was relatively easy I think I read um, after the game that uh, someone put on Twitter and they they quote was that uh, Jonathan Mitchell's first ever clean sheet at Sixfield (laughs) (laughs) Um, so uh, it's not not my joke by the way it's what someone else tweeted I don't know who tweeted it Um, but then again that just I I mean we were saying at half time Tom that um, you know Doncaster looked like a well composed team they're very well drilled on the ball lovely like fluid stuff it's the football that I would like the Cobblers to play but you know I can dream Um, but you know having Roshaw and Williams at the back for them you know he's a Man United um Prodigy, well, he was a Man United prodigy, played for the under 23s. Um, and you can tell that he's come from Premier League Academy. And I just don't think giving the ball to Guthrie and then trying to play the long ball over the top of a man who's at least six foot three uh, wasn't exactly the best strategy. He just won everything. Um, but then I was actually um, really impressed with their striker. Is it George Miller? I think it was. Um, he was a very good striker. I think Apare could learn a lot from him. He really hassled the defenders. Uh, whenever Haynes or, um, sorry, not Haynes, uh, Kawiki or uh, Lintot had the ball, he was relentlessly pursuing them and putting pressure on them. And that's where I would love the Cobblers to at least have that to their game, where they just try and hassle the the back line or the midfield a bit more. And we just didn't seem to do that either. 
there's a few of them I was just watching and they looked a little bit almost tired even and I couldn't tell you why like that they've had quite a lot of, uh, of rest and they're all full-time pros and stuff but a couple of them were like hands on hips touching you know bending over and pulling their socks up which is sometimes mm. good cover up if you're blowing a bit it just something was 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 off and I guess it was all summed up James by that final chance for Danny Hilton free header to an extent well it was a free header not necessarily the most straightforward but James you expect him to score don't you from that that position I guess or at least get it on target yeah someone of his quality who is a proven goal scorer down at this level yeah you do expect him to bury that that's probably the clearest cut chance he's had for us, I would imagine. He, they, although people have been a bit disappointed with him, well, he probably hasn't missed too many kind of sitters, has he? Uh, and he's he's not had kind of many where you think, oh, he should have buried that. Uh, obviously, that that kind of changed with the late chance um, at the weekend. Yeah, it is one that he he, he should be scoring, and I'm sure he knows that. Um, but you know, I, th- I think for me, the key is how can we get the best out of Danny Hilton because you know. He signed with a lot of fanfare. You speak to any Luton fan, and I know a fair few, and they all absolutely love him. In pre-season, he looked phenomenal, I thought. So there's clearly an incredible player there for this level. How do we unlock it? Um, yeah. And that's going to be the that's going to be the question that John Brady is going to have to try and find the answer to. Um, because at the moment, we're not getting the best out of him, and I think everyone would kind of freely admit that at the moment. Yes, that's uh, fair enough. I think we'll get onto it a little bit later when we talk about our what we consider our best Cobbers eleven at the, at the current time. But sometimes if the personnel behind him are changing, sometimes he's in and out of the the team a little bit. Maybe a little bit of inconsistency in the selections uh, for someone you know his age. Maybe he needs a little bit more of a, a settled side. But we'll move on to that in a little bit. I think overall for me. Doncaster, like, as I said, played the better football a lot. On, as Max said, we had a chat at half time. They seemed to keep the ball a little, little bit better. Switched to play nicely, hurried us when they need to, did the dark arts when they needed to. Yeah, just, just, just they were just a better team on the day, and that is the conundrum for John Brady because much heralded side, quite highly fancied by the bookies, cobblers, and signed quite a few players. And it's just, yeah, doesn't seem to be gelling at quite at this moment, but. We'll move on to that a little bit later in the show. Um, we'll have to move on to the Pizza Cup. No one wants to talk about that for various reasons. I'll start by saying, obviously, I'm not a fan of the competition and fair play to all the people still boycotting the, the competition after several years, um, not going to the games and stuff. Fair play to you. But obviously, Northampton got whooped 6-0 at Ipswich. It's a couple of young players got some minutes. Max Deitch started. Josh Tomlinson got some minutes and Liam Cross. Uh, but... Overall, I, I didn't actually, on the night, I didn't watch it because I'd just make a point of just doing something else. It's a bit of a break, actually. But when I looked at the team back, there was actually quite a few first-teamers in there, James. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a completely, you know, crazy experimental side, was it? There were some bigger names in there for us. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there were players that played a lot of games for us. Um with the caveat that they are, that we have got a very young squad at the moment. And, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. You're going to get, with young players, you're going to get off days. I mean, you know, I've been one of the first to say, I think Harvey Lintot has been absolutely fantastic so far, but you look back and he was probably at fault for at least two of the of the six, um, or partly at fault. And yeah, so, you know, he's, he's 19. You're going to get, you're going to get games like that where it doesn't go to plan. I think, um, 
the defence probably looked the most kind of makeshift uh, out of it in that you'd probably want, if you bring in Daichi in, you'd probably want Guthrie alongside him, perhaps. I caveat that with the fact that we do need to give Odimeo minutes as well. And like I say, he's he's someone who I was very impressed with in, in pre-season. But you'd probably want, you know, a, a kind of, a, you know, a, a Guthrie or a McGloyer alongside one of those two, um, just to kind of, rather than thrusting both of them into it but that's with the benefit of hindsight you know um you, I, when I looked at the uh selection I can't say that I thought okay well you know I wouldn't have done that it's one of those you've got to give your fringe players and young players some minutes otherwise when are you going to it's the question of it's it's getting that balance right and um it's easy to say you know with hindsight that, that John didn't do that but I have to say looking at the starting lineup. You know, was I expecting us to win? No, Ipswich are in great form at the moment with a guy uh, who's, you know, got fantastic pedigree as a manager in, in Kieran McKenna. And um, yeah, it was always going to be tough. Uh, obviously, I think the scoreline is, is, makes it kind of a lot worse than it, it probably is. I think you, you speak to most people and they kind of accept that this trophy obviously isn't a priority, but you don't want to get hammered 6 0. I think. It's quite a difficult one because I don't. Th- if you're going to lose a game, lose it in this competition. You know, get out of the way. You know, if we if we get a bit of a tonkin, doesn't matter too much. But at the same time, sometimes Martin um, Cup competitions actually divert attention away a little bit. A little bit of um, light relief if you're you're not doing so well in the league or you've had a bit of a bad result. So knocked out of the League Cup very limply, lost six 0 versus Ipswich. We're not out of that competition, but do you know what I'm saying, Martin? If Brady is just completely concentrating on the league. That puts all the pressure on the league and puts a lot of pressure on on Saturday, mine. Uh, he, he's doing the right thing, um, unquestionably for me. Um, okay. It seems odd. I mean, you guys in general aren't fans of this competition. I'm not, but I don't have any particular dislike of it either. It seemed to have more points when it didn't kick off till much later in the season. Because if you're mid-table, you're not going up, you're not going down... It's like, right, not just give a few of the reserves a run out. You like, you know, get through the group and then, you know, it's, it's a few games to Wembley. And I'll always go back to my Birmingham City supporting mate who was like, he said, you lot slag that competition off. He said, it was the first thing Birmingham City won in my lifetime. And it was bloody <laughs> brilliant at Wembley. But was that the Sherpa Vans trophy when Ian Clark played and John Gale? Yes, that was the, that was the very game. Yes, against Carlisle in the, in the deck chair. Um, kit. I think that's when John Gale scored the overhead kick. If you Google yes. it, uh, brilliant yeah, goal. That, that was the one. Ever. That was the one. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it's just what are you to do as a manager when it yeah. falls this early in the season? Nobody is. There might be teams. There might be the equivalent of Bournemouth who think we're going to do nothing this year. But then if you're, you're thinking that in League One or League Two, you probably ain't winning this competition. There's nobody who's like probably Man City who think, well, all we've got to do is balls it up. And if we don't do that, we'll win it. Who's the mid-table side who thinks we'll go for it in this? And there's no one, not at this stage. They should, you know, start start it in January. You know, some should be knocked out of the FA Cup. Mid-table, you might think, go for it. And it gets a bit more interesting. But yeah. as it is, he made the maximum amount of changes he could make. Some young players get some minutes, which is, you know, that's that's nice, good to see. It's 
probably you know, pretty demoral absolutely be demoralizing for some of them but you know some will be a little bit of character building but it really doesn't matter right now. You know, we need to see, are we a promotion side? Are we, are we not? Are we a playoff side? Are we championship side? What are we What are we going to do? And I think this competition makes more sense when you have an idea of what you're going to do. It's, it's, it's not a free hit, this competition, but it's just something that, like I said, if we if we um, if we go out on early stage, no one's going to mind too much. But I, I do I do think that we you know you have to give some of the the cups a good go. Hopefully the FA Cup will will give a go. But yeah, it's just um, just yeah, feels like, de- just de- feels de- like it's a lot wider than with the FA Cup. Um, <laughs> but this one just feels a bit too early in the season. Yeah, what are you going to do? Exactly. You could you'd even play it as pre-season friend get rid of a few pre-season friendlies and play the group stages of this if yeah. you wanted to, to meet something and then resume it in January when a few teams are out of the FA Cup. That's an interesting point. Yeah, probably you know it obviously needs um, where we'll look at this competition, but we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Max, your namesake, uh, Max Deitch. Uh, I saw his tweet saying something along the lines of hopefully that's enough of fans calling for Deitch to play after the result. You know, it just seems like a real baptism of fire for, for Max, who hasn't played in the first team for a long time, isn't it, Max? You can't truly hold that result against him. No, of course not. I mean, when you look at our group, it's a very difficult group that we've got. I mean, Ipswich are a team that have pretty much tipped to, again, be at the top, you know, pushing for, uh, for promotion out of League One. Uh, Cambridge will be looking to be there or thereabouts in um League One as well, also, well, I'm not going to speak about, is it Arsenal and the 21s we've got again? Um, I'm not really going to speak about too much about those because I don't really know much about the Arsenal Academy. Um, but it, it's difficult because I, you kind of feel like some of the young players, whilst yes, they do need to be given a go, I don't think they should have particularly played that game. Um, yeah. Because it's, you know, Max Dyche, I think he's a very good player. Um, don't get me wrong. And of course, but that's not going to do very well for his confidence. Mm. Um you know, when he, you know, he, again, didn't have an experienced centre-back alongside him. And you kind of feel like he was just thrown in the deep end a little bit. And I, I think I mentioned this to you at the weekend, uh, in the week after the game. Um, just kind of a bit like, I think it was Ryan Hughes against um, Cheltenham mm. Town away, where for Keith Curl didn't have a centre-back. And he, and he played 40, 45 minutes and he got hooked off because he didn't have a great game. And yet he got released. Um, now, I'm not saying that Max Dyche is, you know, that bad. You know, he's clearly quite a capable player when he has come on as a sub. Um, but I just don't think that was the way of doing it, playing them against a, a top team that are Ipswich and, you know, who are managed by a very good, um, you know, former Manchester United youth um, manager um, who's got them playing the right way. So it's, yeah, it, it just seems a bit like Brady was like, yeah, sure, I'll play some of the youth, but it's like not against Ipswich who are going to just, who have got some very good attacking players. And I just think a lot of them were a bit perhaps just thrown in at the deep end and expected to swim. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And then I think it was, I look back at the, the season of 21-22 and Max Deitch, I think he was brought in for a game because I think one of the players was injured or something, something happened. So Max Deitch was brought in, it was against Leighton Orient. And Max Deitch did really well and he's, he provided an assist. And I think Colin Calderwood called him, you know, a natural born leader. And then straight away, he was out of the side again. And then you haven't seen much of him or any other young players really in the first team for a long time. I, I, I crunched some of the numbers and um, I think this season there's been no starts for players under 23, homegrown players under 23. I think in 21-22 there was three starts. The minutes don't add to, up to much if they came on a sub or whatever. So it just feels like 
and it's been a conversation that's been going on for a while with the player pathway, how you bridge that gap between academy and first team in a progressive way. And you were saying on Twitter, Max, weren't you, that you're you know, an advocate of an under-23 side trying to bed the players a little bit more gently than what literally what happened in that Peter Cup game. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, it's it, it gives if you if the club were to have an under 23s team, it gives them at least regular minutes to keep themselves relatively fit. Um, and again, you never know who you're going to play in an under 23s team. You know, I mean, nine times out of ten, you're going to be playing, you know, players in the, who are also trying to develop themselves. But then sometimes uh, under 23s will just throw in a, a, a couple of like um, actual professionals who've played like top flight who are just looking for minutes. So it's a good test. I just feel like that's a, a missed opportunity, really, for the cobblers. Um, you know, it's we don't seem to be giving. You know, we keep saying to all. You know, they, the cobblers keep saying, "Yes, we've got all these great talents coming through, and yet we'll probably sign them on a deal and then just end up releasing them." I mean, mm. I think we had was it uh, Josh Flanagan who was a left back for us last season, who was really tipped, highly rated in the academy, tipped to be the next big thing. Didn't get a game, and now he's playing for Brackley. Um, yeah. So it's um, it just seems a bit odd that we're having all this. Oh, you know, look at this player pathway, and look at it, and yet the only example they're really showing is Sean McWilliams. And don't get me wrong, I love the guy, but it's like that's he's 24 now. Like you've got to have someone coming through now. Like I mean, I thought Peter uh, was it um Am- Ambo- Peter Ambola was it? Uh, Ambola, yeah. Ambola, yeah. sorry. He came on against Bristol Rovers. I thought he looked quite well, quite good last season. And then he got he only played for like 40 minutes and got hooked off again. Mm. Um, so I don't know. But I, you think, why aren't some of these guys getting, you know, a, 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 a shot in the first team? And it's just, it, it just, it's just baffling, to be completely honest. It's a very complicated subject, to be honest with you. Me and Martin have, have argued this for about five years, probably longer. <laughs> and we sit in the stands and we argue it. And Martin will say, you know, if they're good enough, they'll get a game. And I'll say, you know, they, you know they're not going to get good enough unless they get that chance to progress in the first team environment. We go on, on about it for till the cows come home. But I guess with Brady, he's always going to be protecting his job and his family. You know, you've got to do that. So and, and you lose a couple of games, you put a couple of young players in, you could easily be out on your ear. So it's very complicated. But luckily, it's not for us to... I mean, I would, def- I would defend Brady in that he has tried to use co- cup competitions to look at, you know, the, the better of what it would appear we've got. Mm. You know, I I was really impressed with Cross um, against Wickham. He, you know, he admires a bit. Dyche has had some chances. Abin Bowler probably is suffering from the amount of midfielders we've got. It's one position we're not short in. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I wonder, Max, if what you've said actually isn't damning Dyche, but damning the players we've got in that he knows them really well and not, you know, other than the three I've mentioned, mm. not many seem to, seem to be getting close. I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think there's anything unique about us. You know, I do think if players are good enough or, you know, or, or an opportunity comes, they'll, they'll get it. Uh, uh, we're getting into this again, Martin. We're sorry. Getting, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, we have done this one <laughs> It's, it, it's like the redevelopment thread on the hotel. Eh? Oh, it is, isn't it? My my point would be just to finish off, and I'll just get my final point and then move on very quickly. Is that um, imagine Chris Wilder didn't have the faith in Ivan Tony, and um, Chris Wilder just brought in some experienced guys and didn't get Ivan Chan- Ivan Tony didn't get his chance. Ivan Tony dropped down three or four levels playing for Corby. Would he necessarily have uh, reached the heights he he's got to? You need that faith, and every youth 
system that's successful and the guys I speak to, they all say you've got to have the leap of faith. So, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it on Saturday in the stands, Mike, and we'll, we'll argue oh, that yeah, uh, we for a good, a good another 10 years, I think, with the Cobblers player pathway in inverted commas. Um, let's move on because uh, we've all got um, lives to lead. Um, let's move on to, yeah, we'll move on actually to a bit more lighter. We'll move on to returning Cobblers. And if we could pluck one Cobblers play out of uh, the realms of history from any era to strengthen this squad on the eve of the transfer deadline closing who would we choose now obviously there's a, a massive number of choices we've had quite a few people tweet us in which i'll read out in a minute but we'll go to you first now we'll go to, yeah we'll go to you first martin who would you bring back out of all the decades of covers watching that you've had i mean i haven't looked at the tweets since early this morning so there will be ones i've missed um yeah. So many, but I, I was kicking this around in my head and thinking, well, you know, if I assume that centre-half will sort itself out, then it won't be Xander Diamond. Although if I didn't think it would, it was going to be Xander Diamond. Yeah. Midfield, I think we're well set. It's just getting the right combination in there. So it's not at this time John Joe O'Toole. I think up front, we've, got a lot, we've actually got a lot of forwards and none of them, I think, are bad players. And I think it'll just be a case, the combination, the confidence, something will go right. I think fullback, we're, we're absolutely fine. Who's got a bit of craft, bit of guile, got a few goals in them and could probably match what Sam Hoskins is starting to show from set pieces with his right foot. Pray silence, please. Mr. Martin Smith. Oh, I was going to say him as well. <laughs> well I, to be honest, I mean, it might be my slight Sunderland bias. It was going to be him or Gaviadini. I think sometimes if you've got a team that's well set for personnel, you just want a bit of magic, don't you? So I completely understand that with the uh, football genius. I don't Mike, think there's so. any bad players. It is mm. just what's it's the reason we love Epia. I'm glad, he, glad he's back. Don't know where he's going to fit in, but you know he'll add something. Yeah, he's got something about him, hasn't he? Uh, James, I'll leave you to uh, think of someone else because Martin stole your thunder. It often happens to poor James. He's like, uh, he's someone steals. That's why I had a backup because I suspected Martin. Ah, okay. So what's your backup then? Well, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, I would agree. I I think we need someone linking that midfield with the strikers and Martin Smith Mm. would be perfect at that. The other thing we possibly need is someone who runs with the ball, which is why my backup, and I hope I'm not stealing your thunder here, Max, would be Ricky Holmes. Oh, <laughs> oh. Unlucky. <laughs> if we could do a whole chain of stealing each other's thunder, that would be the coolest thing. <laughs> Max, don't worry about it. You can. You got a little bit of time to think about. It. I'll just uh, go on about my, uh, you know, Ricky Holmes to, to give you a bit of time. But um, yeah, obviously Ricky Holmes. I was, someone else tweeted that, and I'll go on to the tweeters in a minute. But Ricky Holmes just walks into any team. Probably most cobblers vintages. Probably the only one he might struggle with. Just about is 1986-87, maybe in the 60s or something. I don't know, but um, yeah, just absolutely brilliant player, and we'd all want to see those long-range goals. I think it was Leighton Orient away, wasn't it, where he scored that absolute world-class goal? So, James, that would be an easy one. Have you got one, Max, or should I go through the tweeters and give you a bit more time to think, Max? Yeah, I've got a couple of options. Uh, admittedly, I've got a bit, a little, little bit annoyed by that because I was thinking you guys have been following the Cobblers for years, and I've only been following them for the last like 15 years. So I was thinking, great, they'll throw anyone from the archives, and it's like, no, you have to pick ones for the last 10 years. Unfortunately, um, that's the only season we've won anything. <laughs> 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 um, but I would, I don't know. I'm going to go a little bit deeper, and I don't know. I'm kind of torn between. Uh, the defensive. I'm torn between. I like Gregor Robertson when he played there at left back. 
Um, nice. And I also liked uh, Clark Carlisle at centre back. He was a very oh, good yes. commanding centre back. Uh, I loved Clark. Um, midfield is a difficult one, but I'm trying not to go with the similar like ones that you guys have got. I liked Matt Grimes. I'd bring him back as a dead ball specialist. Yeah, um, divided opinion, but uh, I quite liked him. Uh, and uh, run, it's going to have to be Ricky Holmes. I mean, is there any other debate other than that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some good ones there. And the fact that you went with um, a couple of those bit more, slightly more yeah, niche players, uh, it's pretty good. I, I think that was uh, some good choices. I'll quickly read some of the ones that have been tweeted in. There's a guy called Martin Hare, and if his name is Martin Hare, it's a bit the opposite of you, and he's an East Lugger. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my, my, my luscious locks of the late 80s and early 90s are long gone. <laughs> if anyone has got the school photo of Martin with the Richard Hill, can you please uh, tweet us in? We, we need that from um, Thomas <laughs> Beckett, circa 1980s. Can you uh, tweet us in? But yeah, Martin Hare, what a great name, Martin. Uh, Neil Grayson, and he came in at a time where he just he just worked his ass off and he was a real fan favourite and scored some very important goals. So good one, Neil Grayson. Uh, D Underwood, I don't know if that is the Dick Underwood, who knows? Jim Hall, probably about the right vintage. Uh, yeah, I think he was in the 80s, 70s, Jim Hall. Uh, Tom Payne, Ivan Tony, we talked about him earlier. Uh, Dr. Tall Paul Riley, all the way in Australia or New Zealand, wherever he lives. Um, Ray Warburton, that's obviously a good one. Bit of a strength at the back. Um, oh no, Martin has actually changed his mind. He's changed his mind. He's a bit of indecisive, Martin. He's gone for Tony Adcock. So, would you reckon, yeah, Martin, sure. your namesake, is Tony Adcock a good one? Tony Adcock was absolutely brilliant. Um, came in exchange for Trevor Morley from uh, Man City not long after scoring a hat trick when they had three different players score hat tricks against Huddersfield in their legendary um, yellow and black checkerboard kit. Um, and he, he um, yeah, just really good strike. Only about 5'11", but just score, seemed to score so many near post headers and corners and was a wonderful human being as well, by all accounts. Um, so, yeah, great shout. And Grayson as well, Carlisle. So many I, I've missed that would. And it's the ones who are a little bit a little bit special. I've got a little bit more about them than just a very good player that probably other things. I mean, Holmes. You look at Ricky Holmes' career before he came to us and after, we got the best Ricky Holmes there ever was. He's, you know, he struggled with injury all his career and a couple of fallouts. It just seemed a marriage made in he- or match made in heaven when he was with us. So, yeah, that's brought back some memories. <laughs> and another player he'd probably give his best years for us, Mark Josiah's gone for Peak Bayo. And whoever could turn yes. down Peak Bayo when he was just unplayable, uh, that's a really good one. Paul Smith, uh, Eddie McGoldrick, who we've interviewed, obviously a really talented guy and went on to play for Republic of Ireland and Arsenal. So that's not bad at all. Who else have we got? We've got Marco Gabbiadini, just pure experience and just nous in front of goal from Quick Whittington. Can't argue with that. Richard Hill from Mark Linnett. I think it's just because um, he's had the story about Martin's Richard Hill haircut. I think that's where that's come <laughs> from. Maybe something also to do with his absolute brilliant skill and power and everything he had that season. Trevor Morley's very popular on the tweets. Quite a few people. Um, Matt Rice tweeted Trevor Morley. And you will never turn Trevor Morley down. He had another one with a brilliant career. Paid for, obviously, Man City, West Ham and... Um, Brilliant haircut as well. He'd bring a little bit of a bouffant to the start, uh, side. So, yeah, there's there's loads. Go on our Twitter and you'll see them. Deborah Marshall went for Paul Stratford. Um, very diminutive 
sort of tricky player who was destined for great things, got a really bad injury, but very well regarded in Northampton. Uh, Bobby S went for Steve Massey, who we've had on the show as well. Blonde Bomber, goal scorer from the 80s, just, just before Martin came on the scene, I think. And then last but not least, we're going to go with Scott McLeish, Adam Colton, I think his name is, Ad Colts. Um, Scott McLeish, James, he was in your time, wasn't he? Just a player. You don't see the players like that anymore, do you? They just don't really exist anymore. Scott McLeish was like something I've never seen before in that he was a midget and used to win every header going like yeah. against players who were like a foot taller than him. I couldn't believe how well like he was at just timing his header. And yeah, just the fox in the box as well. I remember every now and then he would just pluck a ridiculous goal. Like I remember an overhead kick away against Bristol Rovers at home, which was like absolutely sensational. I think Ian Atkins was managing Bristol Rovers at the time. And I remember like, absolutely laughing my head off when Atkins went oh they weren't that good a goal it's like, he's just done an overhead kick from about 20 yards out yeah, yeah. I love McLeish I've actually just thought of someone who I'm trying to think who would like I bring who would who do you bring back but they would actually really complement the team that we currently have and for yeah. some reason somebody's who's just come to mind literally just as we've been discussing this who I think would be perfect for the team we've got at the moment is Paul Hubert's yeah. Do you remember Hubert's? Yeah. He was yeah, absolutely yeah. quality, he was. Yeah. And really good kind of li- holding the ball up, linking in other players. I remember him and Bale up front. That's the best cobbler side I've ever seen. That yeah. kind of tail end Stuart Gray season. Um, kind of, I think it was circa 2007 when we looked like we might scrape into the playoffs in League One and just, yeah. just missed out. That team was inc- really, really good, fun to watch. And I think Hubert's would be perfect with like Pinnock whipping, a, you know, crosses into him. Hoskins kind of um, running in behind him and that. Yeah, I think he'd, he'd work a treat in this current side. Hubert's, I've, I interviewed Hubert. So if you just go on our archive of interviews, you'll see Hubert's. And he was, um, yeah, he's a bit of what we called a wild card. I remember he scored an overhead kick for Forrest. He was just, he just had... He just had that X factor, that, and he had a lot of a lot of um, personality and stuff that you just don't get as well. But I'd quickly to before we move on to the Barrow game, which, I think could it's I just, quite. A, could I just chuck on, Martin, one from on. the same era? Um, yeah, because it's one that probably hasn't. I think I did see it on Twitter, but again, there were some absolute diamonds that Stuart Gray brought in. Gabor I know Dines. where you'll go. Yeah, <laughs> I knew exactly where you were going when you park. said Stuart Gray. Oh, era. Brilliant, oh, wasn't he? Probably the best best centre back I've seen for Cobras. I think he is. I think he's better than Warburton and Sampson on in terms of class. I think he came from somewhere like Honved or Ferencvaros, like one of these classy Hungarian sides, but had a terrible injury. So. No, no, no. Didn't he come from Wolves? He, he did. He came. Yeah, he came from. He, he came had played from Ferencvaros. Yeah, he came, sorry, he yeah. started and he's a Hungarian, isn't he? So he, yeah, yeah, he came from. He came from. He ended up at Wolves. He, Stuart Gray was very good at finding players that were completely wrecked in terms of injury and sort of rehabilitating them, and but they were just brilliant. And um, Buchero on Twitter, he tweeted Gabor Giepes and yeah, I think he'd walk into the side. He was just very calm, wasn't he, James, on the ball, Giepes, just like nonchalant. Yeah, he was a class above any other central defender I've seen for us. You know, uh, we've all, you know, we all love kind of Samo Razor, but you know, that they were like, you know, bleed for the shirt kind of players. Just Giepes from a technical level and just being clearly a level above League One as a footballer overall. Yeah, yeah, he was he was class, wasn't he? Um, to, for, for you know to just watch him for six months was brilliant. I think we all knew as soon as like he was up and running, he'd be off to someone better than that. Cardiff, I think it's Cardiff yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was absolutely class. 
Right then, it's good to be joined by Taylor Nelson, Barrow AFC supporter, to preview Saturday's game at Sixfields. Uh, Taylor, you must be in quite a good mood. Barrow have won five out of six, so come to Sixfields pretty buoyant. Yeah, great start to the season. Um, completely different to what we've had the last couple of seasons, where it's been a bit of a um, a difficult ride the whole season, uh, pretty much. Um, but I think that the start to this season has given the club a lot of confidence and um, has got the, the fans hopeful that this season will be a bit different to what we've experienced so far. Sure. What do you put the good start down to? Is there any particular thing or is it just like a team effort? I think we finally got the right manager in. Um, we've finally made the right decision when it comes to a managerial appointment. We've got the right person in who's assembled a very, very good, well-balanced squad of good talented young players but getting the experience in as well at the same time so we've got a good balance um sort of across the pitch I would say um which I think we've lacked a lot in in the past especially last season when I think we were we're crying out for an experience head at times um but I think this season is a very very well balanced squad cool I've got to admit I don't know a lot about Barrow as a club, as we, your side or anything like that, I think sometimes you get a bit lazy as a Cobbler supporter because we just always seem to be in League Two and it's just like <laughs> teams come and go and stuff. And you obviously done really, done really well, really deserve to be up in second place. Your manager is called Pete Wilds, that's right, isn't it? And yeah, yeah, I don't know much about him either, but obviously he's doing well. Like what, what attributes does he bring? Would you say, and 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 how has he impressed you? Yeah, so I think obviously Wild came from Halifax, uh, where he's at, he's done very very well with them, uh, turned Halifax into a side that were sort of lower mid table in the national league to a side that were competing for the playoffs, um, pushing for promotion at times um, in the last few seasons, um, to now coming here and and impressing here as well. Um, he's brought with him a style of play which is all about sort of trying to win the ball high up the pitch. Uh, players that will press, uh, pressing high, try to win the ball back quickly. Um, a good, good, quick tempo football. Um, very, very good to watch on the eye, um, yeah. which we've lacked the last couple of seasons. So it's good to have a team where, as I put it to, to other people, just being able to go there and, and watch the game and enjoy it, rather than sort of thinking, oh, like we're going out for a 1-0 win, you know, it's yeah. not the prettiest football to watch. So we're getting the results and playing very well, which is <laughs> fantastic as a supporter. You can't wish for anything better. That description sounds like us this season, you know, maybe going for the 1-0 player, not the best football, quite effective. <laughs> it sounds a little bit like us, but, you know, we've got quite a lot of experience. We've got people like Danny Hilton, we've got some quality in there. So we're not just some sort of like lumpet team. We've got some quality as well, but it just sounds like an interesting tussle on Saturday. Um, you've got a few ex-cobblers in your squad. There might be some more because I haven't gone through it extensively, but you've got Sam Foley, who played for us in midfield, who's just a very, he's always a steady Eddie and just a very, quite a classy player I found when I saw him for Northampton. Um, Billy Waters, who I think came with your manager from Halifax. Yeah, that's right. And, and um, David Moyo, who was a youth product in Northampton, came through the youth ranks with Ivan Tony of all people. So <laughs> he's, he's played alongside him. Um, yeah, start with Sam Foley. Do you agree with what I say? A bit of a, he's always a, at least at seven out of ten keeps the ball moving and just does stuff simple, doesn't he? Oh yeah, I, you can't fault Sam Foley. He's a great player mm. and a proper little workhorse. Gets himself about. Um, you know what you're going to get with him. Um, every time he steps foot on the pitch, you know he's just going to work his socks off. 
Yeah. Um, and he, obviously he's not the classiest player in terms of sort of he's not going to sort of whip out the tricks every two minutes. But no. You know you're going to you you're going to get you know the same thing every week. He's going to work his socks off, try out for the team, and get stuck in there when he needs to. Um, absolutely. I think probably one of our best players so far this season. Might be one of those players come the end of the season where he might not get the recognition he deserves when it comes down to sort of looking at who's played the best over the course of the season. But I think so far he's he's been a fantastic player for us. Yeah, I don't think he's sort of classy in terms of like he's not like a Perlo or something like that, some sort of world class player. But it's just his attitude for me, as I think was quite exemplary, and he doesn't see he seems to be a very good team player and yeah, just a good player to have in the squad and yeah, we, I'm not really sure why we got rid of him when we did but yeah that's war into the bridge which leads me on beautifully what a brilliant little segue probably my best ever to Billy Waters <laughs> come on that's, that's pretty terrible but yeah uh, Billy Waters now another player to play for Northampton and um, I don't know if anyone's ever spoken to him but I would suggest he would have thought he would have got more chances at Northampton and Scored a couple of goals, played a few games, looked pretty good to me, but just just, just couldn't establish himself and had to drop down into to non-league and then did it well. Scored quite a few goals for Halifax last season, I think. Um, yeah, does he impress you? Yeah, I think uh, Waters has done quite well so far. Um, he's one of these players that, again, he's he's quick, he'll press, mm-hmm. um, sort of the player that Pete Wilde will want from from a team. Um you know, he is the perfect sort of Pete Wild man. It came as no surprise that he, he brought him with him um, to Barrow from Halifax. Um, again, there's not, I think, obviously, he's come from, from Northampton, dropped down to non league, which there's nothing wrong with that. He's done fantastically no. to sort of, you know, establish himself at the National League level and then come back a better player. I think a lot of Northampton fans, if he, because if he, up in the air whether he'll start for definite, because he may come off the bench. Um, but if he does start, I think a lot of Northampton fans will be surprised that he may be a little bit better than what they they possibly remember. Yeah. Um, but you, you again, similar to Foley, you know what you're going to get with him. He'll he'll press, he'll run. Um, you know, a little little fast player will get himself about. Um, but so far, yeah, I, I, I like Waters. I like Waters a lot. Um, as I say, you know what you got, you'll get from him as well. He might be a little bit like Hoskins in that. Sometimes maybe not ultra consistent in, in his play and sometimes needs a service, but can like finish when he needs to. And yeah, quite tricky, low centre of gravity. He would yeah. definitely have something to prove, I should think. So uh, I'm slightly concerned that he'll have something to prove. <laughs> a bit too, he's been there and done it, he's not that bothered. But David Moyo, another guy who was literally let, let go as a youngster by us, um, played in non-league in England, went to Scotland, scored some goals there, obviously impressed a little bit. And um, he's ended up, yeah, he's, he's been around the block. He's been Northampton, um, Hamilton. He's, yeah, he's gone very north. Now he's at Barrow. Have you seen much of him? Yeah, so uh, not too much because he's only just sort, sort of come into the, come into the team. Um, mm. Played the last few. Um, started uh, in midweek um, against Lincoln in the Carabao Cup. Uh, last week, uh, scored in that game on his debut as well. Uh, okay. Looked very impressive, I, I have to say. Um, obviously, I'd, I, he wants to try and force himself into the team, so he had a point to prove. Um, but he's come off the bench as well. In um, last Saturday against Wimbledon, again, I thought he was he looked good, and he started again in midweek uh, this week. So I think obviously he's working himself into the team. He'll probably make a bit of a cameo appearance. I, I wouldn't be 
surprise, to be honest with you, um, off the bench. But again, I, I'm from what I've seen, limited minutes, obviously, you, you have to say, but I've, from what I've seen so far, he looks a, a decent player. Um, got a bit of a jump on him um, as well. He, get, he gets yeah. himself up in the air quite a bit. Um, bit. Bit more of a focal point um, compared to other players, sort of unlike Waters, you know, he'll try and get up and, and win the ball, um, which is a bit different to sort of Waters and, and Josh Gordon. Um, Maybe you learn that from playing alongside Ivan Tony, because Ivan Tony's actually quite good in the air for his... Uh, you wouldn't he is, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was... Um, yeah, the two that got away. One's probably, you know, one's definitely playing at a high level. But yeah, two, two ex cobbler strikers. One playing for you guys. And um, yeah, I'm just a little slightly concerned. Billy Waters and David Moyer might have a little bit to prove. So if they score, they'll be loving that. So we'll, <laughs> we'll not. We'll see. Um, yeah. So in terms of tactics for Pete Wilde, you said that you you like to keep the ball a little bit. You like to press high and you like to sort of work, sort of hard work inside. How, how would yeah. you? Has he got like a a formation he he goes to? How would you describe that? Yeah, so I think so far we, we've been pretty set this season in terms of how we played. Um, sort of like, a, I'm trying to think how, how to describe it. It's a bit like a, a four with a sort of a, a number 10 behind uh, two strikers with a winger as well. Um, you know, you know what you'll you'll get from from a wild team. As I say, it's hard working. Uh, they'll press the, press the ball high up the pitch, try and win it back. Obviously, yeah. the higher up the pitch you are to win the ball back, uh, the more chance you have of trying to get forward and, and springing. Um, sort of away from home, I think it's more... At home, I think we, we're trying to dominate the ball a little bit more, whereas away from home, I think it's more of a sort of spring on the counter a little bit more. I think that's probably how we'll sort of play against uh, you guys on Saturday. Uh, we'll probably let try and get you forward a little bit and then spring you on the break. Um, Because obviously we got the pace with Waters and uh, Gordon and Whitfield as well. Um, So that'll probably be how we approach that game. But as I say, we'll we'll press high. So don't be, you know, don't be thinking that we'll let you come on to us. We will obviously try and press and and count high up the pitch as well. Yeah. I think Northampton have been uncharacteristically fragile at the back this season in terms of maybe a few defenders getting pulled out of position we've got a couple of injuries there so that movement if you get your movement right there could be ways in what would you say any weaknesses obviously you don't want to give anywhere any trade secrets not that anyone's going to listen to this but um are you how are you at set pieces and defending set pieces and stuff like that maybe more physical style yeah i think this season we look a lot more dangerous from from set pieces and we've got a lot more height at the back especially than what we've had the last few seasons. Uh, the likes of uh, Sam McClelland, George Ray, now Canavan, uh, players that will definitely sort of win headers um, in those situations. Uh, defensively, again, we look a lot stronger for the same reasons. Uh, we scored a couple of goals um, against uh, Walsall from corners. Um, and it's obviously because you have the big players teams will tend to try and mark those big players, which then leaves other yep. players free. So, yeah, I think it was Tyrrell Warren that ended up uh, scoring one from a corner, where one of the smaller <laughs> players on the pitch. But again, that's what happens when you have those bigger players. Teams yep. will try and man-mark those players and they'll leave other players free. So it's not just <laughs> the case of those big players will be the, the threat. They sort of cause threat through other players because they're leaving uh, those yeah. players free to win headers as well. So... Um, 
So what we need to do is what we need to do is um, ignore your big players and just mark the smaller ones. Try and like play. Yeah, just it seems or... like there's various threats. You wouldn't be at the near the second of the league without various threats going on. In terms of players to watch, you, we've talked about Foley, Waters, and Moyo. Um, can you perhaps give us a couple of players to watch that we won't know about that have not played for Northampton? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Ben Whitfield has probably been our best player in terms of uh, goals and assists and whatnot this season. Um, every single game he has played, he has looked dangerous um, and a, a very good player on the ball. Um, he's always moving, which I, I absolutely love. Um, he, he sort of picks up the ball and gets moving straight away. There's no sort of just, I'll jog about with the ball for a bit, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. He'll, sort of run at that defence and, and start causing problems immediately. Um, another player, again, sort of similar in in terms of that style is Josh Gordon. Um, I, I think if where to, he's probably one of the, the main attacking threats in terms of goals as well, um, naturally as a striker. Um, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if he got himself on the score sheet um, the way he started the season as well. Um, it's completely different player to last season in terms of a goal threat. He looks a lot more confident um, under Pete Wilde. I think he's one of those players that Wilde has sort of taken under his wing and uh, really developed even in a short space of time. Uh, a manager that will give him confidence and distill that within him. Um, and I think that's that's bringing the best out of him. Um, and uh, the other end of the pitch, obviously, you have sort of Patrick Brough, who I've always been a fan of. Um, yeah. Uh, he's been with us for quite a while now, but again, he's a, a very good wing back. Um, he'll get himself forward. Uh, fantastic cross on him. He's uh, when he gets that ball in the box, he's, there's, there's always danger there. Um, if someone can get themselves on the end of it as well, so we've got quite a lot of threat going forward. But again, you can't overlook the defence as well. Uh, looked very, very assured this season. Um, the likes of McClelland and Canavan look very, very. Um, confident at the back and uh, sort of the epitome of what I mean when it comes to a well-balanced team you have the experience heading Canavan and the more youthful side in in McClelland yeah it seems like there's a good mix and your gaffer is clearly not faced by playing a couple of players with a bit of non-league pedigree maybe haven't had that much league experience but um, get the ball from back front quickly can dribble and stuff so it'd be interesting to see how they get on perhaps against some of our more experienced campaigners um yeah, it just seems like the club seem in a good place at the moment. I have, I just, I read a couple of articles and stuff. You've, I think you've got a director of football there. Obviously, they're they're trying to get the infrastructure right. Do you think the club is well run? It's got to be to have made the gains it has, surely. Yeah, I think this season we've we've really improved on and off the pitch. We've we've started finally developing as a club, becoming more of a football league club rather than a non-league club. Yeah. Uh, I think that's been the issue the last two seasons. We've been running a football league club, but as a non-league club, if that mm. makes sense. Um, operating, you know, poorly to be honest with you. Uh, last season at times we didn't have a we haven't didn't have a training ground. Um, mm. didn't have a training base. Um, so that was one of the big things that we got right this summer was finding a training base and nailing that down. So we yeah. have somewhere to train every single week yeah. rather than trying to find somewhere to go every single week 
um, which w was a, a huge error. I don't know how that happened, yeah. uh, but I think that that summed up how we were sort of operating. Whereas this season, we've obviously got that training base. We've uh, brought in a director of football. Uh, we're just making all sort of the right moves as a football club now. Um, and I think hopefully this is going to be sort of the start of something very good for us. And we will start to make progression both on and off the pitch. Um, and we are seeing that so far this season. So long may that continue. It's quite an interesting one, isn't it? Because some more established clubs like ourselves and that probably be like, who are these like whippersnappers? Who are these sort of, you know, upstarts coming from another league and uh, <laughs> you know, doing all this stuff, getting their own training ground, whatever next, you know what I mean? Like we just, we, to be fair, we only got our training ground a few years ago and we used to do what you did, sort of hop around and stuff. It's often down to uh, expenses and money and stuff. So it's difficult to get a training base. But yeah, just be interesting. I think that, yeah, you'll, you'll get up there, you're up there and there'll be a lot of clubs that'll be trying to shoot you back down, try and put you in your place to, to an extent. Obviously, uh, you're, you've got as much rights to be in the league as anyone else. Um, but uh, yeah, just be interesting. And um, yeah, it just seems like an interesting clash on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it, seeing where we are as a club, where you are as a club and where you are as a team. And just uh, could be a little bit of a clash of styles, but um, we'll see on Saturday. Um, as a, a Barrow fan, obviously you're Based in the northwest, the west is that northwest? Yeah. Um, quite high up the country, really. You've got a lot of long trips. I take it in a you know in a, a national league, essentially in a nationalised league. Um, how do you find that as an away fan? Are you you used to sort of travelling the miles? Is it normal to you yeah. now? More than acclimatised to it now. You've got to be as a Borough fan. Yeah. Um, every single trip. Um in the National League especially was about five hours most every couple of weeks was you every single game seemed to be London uh, London 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 every two weeks uh, <laughs> so you yeah. got you had to acclimatize to that um anything that's less than three hours is considered close for Barrow um that's we just we you have to as I say you, you just have to get used to it as a Barrow fan if you're going to travel so anything sort of less than three hours is always considered close, as I say. Um, <laughs> so making these trips to Northampton and whatnot doesn't bother most people because they're just course, so yeah. used to it at this point now. Yeah, uh, exactly. And what, what was your nearest um, league club? Uh, is it Carlisle or is that too far? Um, no, you'd think it would be Carlisle because obviously we're in the same county, but um, yeah. it'd probably be more like Morecambe, um Markham, um, the Manchester club, sort of, yeah, um, Salford and whatnot, that are probably closer to us, if anything. Um, yeah. allows a couple of hours off, um, even if we are in the same county. So, um, yeah, <laughs> those clubs. <laughs> and um, how many fans do you reckon you bring down to Sixfields on Saturday? Um, we've we've got a decent set of sort of southern based fans as well, so that always boosts the numbers a little bit. Yeah, uh, we'll probably be looking sort of around 200, one, 150, 200 or so. Um, we, we sort of had that similar mark against Wimbledon, so I'd imagine it would be something like that again. Um, probably again on Saturday, I'd imagine. It's a long, it's a long way as well, especially with petrol prices what they are. It's just um, going away is just a bit of a luxury at the moment, isn't it, for a lot of people anyway? So. It is, yeah, yeah. So fair play to each and every Borough fan that comes down to it or drives up from the south wherever they are. Um, yeah, so match prediction. We always have a little match predict score prediction at the end, and I always go second because I get time to think. 
about my prediction. <laughs> I'll let you go first. You know, you're obviously pretty confident. Um, I don't want to lead you into a thing, but I wouldn't say we're playing that great at the moment. What's your score prediction? Yeah, I think as you say, like uh, I've, I've been keeping an eye on Northampton because they're one of the teams that I thought would be going for our promotion this season. Yeah. Um, I've been keeping a little bit of an eye on you, and I think you've been getting some results, but you haven't looked fantastic in the process. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I think, honestly, I think a draw would probably be where I'd be be going. A yep. score, a score draw, probably one all. I would say. <laughs> but I think it's, it's probably going to be the case. Um, I know this sounds a little bit silly as well, but we are due a draw. <laughs> so that, that <laughs> yeah. also makes me think that that's going to happen as well. It's probably going to be a, a one-all draw, I would say. Yeah, to be fair, that's in our main show. I've um, predicted that as well, one-all. So, you know, I'm going to have to stick with that and go with you with uh, one-all. But it just feels like we do need a reaction. We lost against Doncaster, who played better football than us. They look pretty good, to be fair, Doncaster. But we just we were off our game completely against Doncaster, so maybe flattered them a little bit. And then we got Tonks 6 0 in the pizza cup, wherever it is, Papa John's. Yeah. <laughs> but the team we put out, we was never really going to do anything against an Ipswich side or a really good. So we sort of put that to one side. Um, you know, in reality, we would like a reaction. And I'd love to win 3 1 or, you know, 3 0 or something like that. But it just feels, you know, with your, your good form and us trying to try and kickstart the season again, that 1 0 will probably be um a good choice if if we win 2-1 or you win 2-1 i want to be surprised either of those as well but yeah you come down on saturday aren't you have you been to northampton before yeah when i came last season uh was it a tuesday night in march or something like that um yep. definitely a tuesday night quite late on in the season um yeah i got myself down to that one that was uh that was a very good game actually um mm. managed a 1-0 win didn't we so um, yeah, that always makes the journey home a little bit better, especially when you're in a relegation scrap and needing every single point you can get. So, uh, that, <laughs> what that did was you make good. of that? What did you make of that end of season game where we beat you three one and we we thought we were going up? Were you were you at that game and and, and Bristol yeah. Rovers won seven nil? That must have been weird. That was that was quite the experience. Um, <laughs> you, you, it just looked like you were nailed down to go up and and they yeah. managed to go and do that. It was just crazy um i'd it was quite i do have to admit it was quite funny um as a as a home supporter yeah of course of course yeah but then you had to think those poor people probably came (laughs) to that game thinking they're going up and we're expecting (laughs) to celebrate and instead it's looking to the opposite way around you must have seen like every emotion in the cobblers fans in the away end like oh definitely yeah definitely (laughs) What were they like coming out? They must have been in, in... I didn't go to the game. I just couldn't cope. I went to the beanbag thing. But, yeah. The Cobblers fans can't have been in a good mood. Well, they didn't <laughs> see me, no. Um, <laughs> they did hang around for quite a while, to be honest, though. I, I do have to say. Yeah, a long trip home. So, they probably just, yeah, trying to uh, process it all. But, yeah, you know, we all, we did as well as we could have that season. We couldn't have done any more. We beat you, like, fairly you know, 3-1 in the last game of the season. And... That's football, I guess. We're still sore about Bristol Rovers, so well, not much <laughs> that too much. <laughs> but yeah, um, enjoy the game on Saturday and uh, that usual nonsense about as long as we win or whatever. But yeah, um, we'll speak again soon, Dan. It's good to talk to you. You too, thank you. Cheers, mate. Let's move on to the Barrow game on Saturday. It made me chuckle a bit. That not chuckle, but Cobblers described on Twitter high flying Barrow 
And it just sort of, sort of puts you in your place when Barrow, a team I've considered as a non-league club for many years, are high flying above us. And it just, yes, yeah, just a wake up call that Barrow are in second, obviously a very good sides. Uh, they've got few ex-cobblers in the in the squad. They've got Sam Foley, who was a very good midfielder. Billy Waters, who probably might have wanted a bit more chance at cobblers. And then David Moyo, we'll go on to a little bit, a uh, youth team player who's had a good career elsewhere. Um, Martin, it just it just feels like this is the time to get back on track, would you say? Yeah, yeah. It's um, probably quite a pivotal week. I mean, we could write off the, the hammering in midweek Losing at home to Donny when we've not really, you know, we, we always look like conceding, but we've not had problems scoring. And by all accounts, I wasn't there, so I, I wouldn't want to comment too much. You know, but we were up against a, a keeper who we think would at least have some holes in his game, and we've not we've not scored. That rings alarm bells. I think we've got to get we've got to get back on track. Um, you know, if we're serious about challenging at the top end. We've had, you know, there's been some really spirited, good performances, gritty things where we've conceded equalisers and we've gone and got last minute goals. We've, you know, we've got points at some difficult places and more. We've, we've got to get after it. Barrow in a false position. Um, they played very, very well. Um, they're very unlikely to be ending up up that end of the table. We are likely to be end up somewhere up that end of the table. Got it beaten size like this at home. And I think, did Barrow beat us at home last season on a night game? They did. Yeah, they outplayed yeah. us as well. Yeah, and they were, you know, without stereotyping sort of former non-league size, you know, emphasise kind of, you know, quite quite physical side, um, look after the ball, try to restrict the chances they give you. We're going to have to get after it. Um, and, you know, if we drop points again, that's starting to look like, well, are we going to be what we think we could be? Um, equally, we bounce back with a win. Then, you know, I think confidence-wise, it's not right. We've had our little wobble. We can now kind of go forward and we've beaten someone above us in the league. So, yeah, I think it's quite an intriguing one. Mm. James, would you say that Martin might be um, underestimating Barrow a little bit? Because I think they've won five out of six and they're second with 15 points. Obviously, none of us have watched Barrow particularly, but I don't know. There might be the potential there to do another Donny. I don't think many people rated them, uh, James, before we played them. Well, I mean, yeah, they clearly started very well. Five wins in six, I think, is is correct. And from what I can see about their manager, is it Pete Wilde had a really good kind of spell as as manager at Halifax, where he's kind of brought Billy Waters with him. I don't know how physical they're going to be if Billy Waters is is playing, because um, <laughs> he is one of the smallest strikers I've ever seen for us. Um, it's a strange one, wasn't he? You, you could tell there was a player there, but he had ample opportunity and it just never quite worked for him. Uh, and yeah, you couldn't really pinpoint why. It just doesn't work for players at some clubs. He's clearly kind of gone back down a level and has kind of moved his, his way back up so I'm, I'm really happy for him because he seemed like a really nice lad but yeah they've started really well we shouldn't underestimate them you know they outplayed us last year um at six fields and they've started really well this year i think the more i think what i want to see this saturday is a performance actually because the results have kind of almost 
painted over the fact that the performances themselves haven't been that great so far. And we're what is this? This will this be the seventh game or sixth? Yeah, seventh. Seventh yeah. game. You know, we 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 need to start putting in some performances as well because you can't keep relying on Sam Hoskins to or, or kind of you know late goals to to dig you out of out of you know um, tight spots. We need to put in a good performance as as much as getting a result on Saturday from my view, because that that's what's going to be getting the confidence of the players up. You know, if they're playing well, if you keep snatching points, it's great, but it's not something that's going to be sustained throughout a whole season. We need to up the performance level. So I think on Saturday massively. Yeah. And we saw on Saturday, last Saturday against Doncaster, what happens when Sam Hoskins goes, you know, a bit anonymous that, yeah, sometimes the routes to goal dry up. He didn't really do much against Doncaster. So we can't rely on him every week. Um, James, a little bit about David Moyo. He was a Cobblers youth player. You saw him when he was before he went to Scotland, didn't you? Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember him playing a youth game for us because it was him and Ivan Tony up front, and I thought both of them looked very good. Um, he looked not quite the level of Ivan Tony at that age, but I wouldn't say he was far off. Um, but yeah, it just kind of shows to show, you know, one got the call to come into the first team. The other didn't, and look at what kind of their career trajectories have gone ever since. I, I know he, uh, I think he went to Brackley after us, and then I know he had a spell at Hemel Hempstead uh, when I when I kind of covered uh, Hemel Hempstead with the newspaper there, and then I think he went up to Scotland, and that's where he kind of started kicking on. So yeah, yeah re- really good to kind of see one of our youth players, you know, youth academy make it. It's a shame it wasn't with us, but you know, it, it, sometimes it's not meant to be. Um, you know. It took a while for him to get going, I, I, I would say. And yeah, fair play to him for kind of making it back up to this level. Yeah, shows real tenacity for Moyo too. If he was at Hemel Hempstead, that's a, a fair drop down from Northampton. And to go up to Scotland and, you know, make a career there and then end up back in the league, he could p- provide a real ball in our side on Saturday alongside Sam Foley, um, another really good player. Probably got rid of him too early, you could argue. Um, Max... What would you like to see from Cobblers on Saturday against Barrow that you didn't see against Doncaster? Um, more football on the floor and perhaps playing it through the midfield. Uh, you know, Leonard, for me, against Doncaster, got quite rightly got man of the match. I'd like to see him pushed a bit further forward. Um, I'll be honest with you, I'd, I'd like to see Pinnock uh, be dropped. I love the man, but he's clearly not got the form. Um, you know, and perhaps put a which I think you're going to come on to in a few minutes. So I'd like to see us play with the midfield of Williams and Fox and Leonard in a more attacking position. Um, but it, I'd just love to see a more, you know, football on the deck type thing rather than, right, I'm going to, I'm going to give the ball to, you know, Guthrie. Right, what's Guthrie going to do? He's going to right, He's going to pick up the smallest man on the pitch and he's going to try and oof it past a six foot or uh, more or taller centre-back. You know, it... it that's what I'd like to see us cutting out. I know it's not always easy in football, but it's I'd like to see us, you know, perhaps just having a bit more vision, perhaps playing a bit more fast-paced football, a little bit. Um, I know it's not always easy for, for 90 minutes every game, but just perhaps in, in stages. I mean, we have played some football like that at the start of the season, but it's, it seems that we seem to be reverting back to the ways of old a little bit. But I will yeah. say I'm quite I'm quite happy that my brother isn't going to be at this game because he's an oddly superstitious bloke when it comes to football. So um, <laughs> he uh, he said that we were watching the Doncaster um, players warming up and he goes, uh, oh, what's the one thing I've noticed about Doncaster and compared to the Cobblers? And I said, no, what's that? 
And he goes, well, the Doncaster players finished their shooting draws by scoring. The Cobblers didn't. And that's a bad <laughs> omen in football. And I go, oh, I just said, you jinxed it now. And sure enough, we lost. <laughs> Cobblers never score in their, their warm-ups. Of long, going back a long time, so I wouldn't hold that in too much stead. But yeah, it's at least there's a chance to reverse a couple of dodgy results. And Cobblers fans moods go up and down a bit so hopefully we can get a few smiles on faces on Saturday let's finish as we always do with a match prediction score prediction Sluggo what do you reckon well yeah I'm, I very rarely predict things go badly despite having watched us since 984 <laughs> um I'm normally going 3-2 you know if we're if we're kind of back to ourselves I think we sort it out at the back I think it'll be pretty attritional. I'll go 2 0. 2 0 Cobblers. That would be very nice indeed. What about you, James? Oh, I've got it. I don't know. There's just something about this game. I'm not feeling it. But then again, I thought we'd beat Doncaster. So my feelings are null and void, really. Well, well I mean, <laughs> they, they were playing Jonathan Mitchell, which, if anything, was taking the Mickey out of us. Tell you what, we'll go and play at Northampton. Here, yeah. get this Jonathan Mitchell. They'll love that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think we'll do well to win on, on Saturday, actually. I think it's just been a little bit of a momentum dropper. Uh, I, I, I'm going to go one all because I yeah it feels wrong to predict a defeat and I don't normally predict a defeat but yeah I don't know there's something about this game I've just got yeah I don't know why they've had a really good start to the season haven't they and yeah we've just had a couple of bad games and you, you just it could be one of those where it just it's just another hangover and then you kind of get the response after that I hope it's not but yeah let's go one all let's play yeah. safe <laughs> one all could be considered a reasonable result considering our performance last week against Doncaster and the fact that they've won five out of six it wouldn't be like the end of the world I think the season will get kickstart at some point but we'll see on Saturday what about you Max what's your score prediction uh, for me it depends whether they're going to play Billy Waters if they're going to play him up front I think we'll struggle but if they play him at right wing back I think it will be fine um, <laughs> but um, uh, I think uh if the Cobblers can get their shooting boots on and actually play some decent football, I think we'll give them the game. But I still have a bit of concerns at the back. So I'm actually going to go 3-3. Three, three. OK, 3-3. A three, three. very high-scoring one. bit sort of uh, nip and tuck. Always the optimist. Yeah, yeah. At least it's not you're not predicting us to lose, so it could be worse. But yeah, Martin's gone for a bit of a dour when you've gone for a high-scoring one. Oh, I, for my sins, backed um, Doncaster to win last week. I just thought their price was too big. I think they were like... Three and a half to one, something like that. I just thought that's that can't be right in a two-horse race, considering cobblers were a little bit patchy. So yeah, I made a bit of money on that. I was losing, but yeah, I just I think I'm with a little bit with James. Maybe a one-all draw, and if we lost two-one, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe if we scraped a two-one, but I'll go with you, James. One-all. Let's all it shoot. Feels off, horrible James. not. To, it feels horrible not to predict like uh, a win, but then again, I, I do mostly, you know, and uh, yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes you just got to be kind of like we're in a, just in a little bit of a, you know, a tricky spell at the moment um, where we kind of lost that first game and then we've had a hammering and it might, you know, you'd like to see a response, but you might not necessarily get one immediately. So, exactly. yeah, we'll see. I hope we're wrong there. I hope we smash exactly. it. <laughs> It'd be nice to see Aperé get on the score sheet, get Louis Aperé a couple of goals. I think that would do him a world of good. So we'll see what happens. We'll see you all on Saturday anyway and we'll chew the fight afterwards. Thanks a lot Thanks. and we'll talk again next week. Take it easy. See you all at Six Fields. Cheers, guys. Have a good one. See you later. See you later. Sorry. Sorry. Bye-bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.